ready to rock? I guess I'm ready to be rocked and quite possibly assaulted by you. (laughs) 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 The Time Traveling Robots in Space is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audio book download at audibletrial.com slash galactic netcasts. Over 100,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. It's Thursday, February 14th, 2013, and welcome to another Galactic Netcast. This is the Time Traveling Robots in Space, number 57. From Waterloo, Iowa, I'm Dave Nelson. Joining me as always is Anessa Moyens from Denton, Texas. And filling in for the vacationing Paul Swickard, it's the Alien Invasion's very own Brad Ludwig. How are you, Brad? I am well. Thanks for having me on board tonight. Or as you're going to be known tonight, Brad Swickard. Brad Swickard. (laughs) Substitute Swickard. That's me. (laughs) See, we don't want to change your name completely, so we'll just give you... You can keep your first name... But we have to have at least a little bit of Paul on the show, so you can have his last name. <laughs> yes! You're like his that, old... That should be my nickname from now on. Substitute Swickard. That's me. <laughs> Boom. You're, you're like Brad's older stoner brother. Paul's older stoner brother. Hi. What? You're trying to save it. I'm Bra- Brad's a stoner? I'm Brad. I'm Brad Swickard. What? Are we going to talk about space? I can tell you all about space, man. (laughs) (laughs) I like this character. This character is awesome. Okay, so on on Time Traveling Robots in Space, we always ask Paul um, if anything has weird, anything weird has happened in, um, in, um, where does he live again? Glendale. Glendale, thank you. In Glendale, California. So, has anything weird happened in Wausau, Wisconsin this week? Wow. Um, no, nothing weird has happened that that I know of. Uh, I do know that Avenue Q is coming to town, and that is uh, that is very interesting. What is Avenue it's, Q? It's uh, it's like the Muppet Show only for adults. Uh, it is a musical. Sort of a uh, mixture of, of puppetry and, and humans uh, doing a essentially almost like a kid's sh- sort of a show. It's kind of got that Muppet feel. When you, when uh, but you say it gives us wonderful songs like The Internet is for Porn. Okay. Um, oh, I've heard of that. Yes. Yes. All right. So it's not like when you say adult, it's not like sex adult. It's, it's- not Okay. Pornographic necessarily, okay. but it is. Uh, it does mature handle audience. mature themes. Got it. Yes. All right. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Um, what's happening in uh, Denton, Texas, this week, uh, Anessa? Um, I don't know what's happening this week. <laughs> I can tell you what I saw at the park today. Okay. Yes. Yeah. You told us earlier. <laughs> yes. I did. Um. So I go to a park on occasion to do this walk jog thing and as I was walking along the sidewalk uh, there was some guy taking a pee 
urinating? Urinating a few feet away from the sidewalk, so I just went ahead and jogged right on by. <laughs> Not seeing anything. Nope. Stay classy, Denton. Minding my own <laughs> it business. It was my cue to start running. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pay no. Don't don't go by the woman on on the thing on the app. Just go. Just. just Use I, your- I know. Like I was listening to the app, and I'm like, you know what? I know I've got like 30 seconds left. I'm just gonna keep going. <laughs> Interesting. All right. Yes. I had a guy ask for ask for money from me today. Today, outside. Yeah. I, yeah. I didn't have any cash. I, or otherwise, I would give. I would have given him something. Yeah. I hardly ever carry cash. I always feel yeah. kind of bad. I don't either. Never carry cash. There's I uh I found myself a few times this week looking for uh like singles to use a uh you know to go to the strip club vending. Yeah, at the, <laughs> no, Dave, the true secret to going to a strip club is you take $2 bills. Uh, is this coming from experience? Do you know, Yes. Oh, really? Okay. I mean, I don't do it often, but if you want to have a conversation piece, Oh, two dollar okay. bills. Got it. Yeah, because that would stand out. Exactly. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. There you go. All right. Uh, strip club advice with Brad Swickard. <laughs> you know what you need to do, man. You need to go to the bank, right, and get two dollar bills. The chicks <laughs> dig that, man. I'm getting hot and bothered. Yeah, I'm sure you are. <laughs> all right, let's uh, let's start the show. This is the podcast where we talk about all things time travel, robots, and space, and science fiction, and science fact. Uh, we do it by running down a new story from each each topic, discuss our entertainment picks, and ask and answer the question of the week for our audio subscribers. If you'd like to see us record the show, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Google Plus, and you will get uh, notified. Uh, when and where we're going to be, but uh, no matter where or when we're going to be, we'll always be on galacticnetcasts.com slash live. That is the page to go to watch us do this thing live. So if you guys are ready, let's get the show on the road with the first segment, which is this. Sector 1, time travel. Hey, there's a board game about time travel. Really? What the hell you say? <laughs> the hell I do say. Um, released in 2012, Legacy Gears of Time. Have you heard about this? I know that you're really into board games and role-playing games, Brad. Have you heard this? Heard of this? Uh, I am into role-playing games. I do play some board games, but I have not heard of Legacy Gears of Time. Well, it do is. Tell. Well, okay. So it's a strategic ca- uh, card game, uh, mechanically rooted in its time travel theme. Players each play cards from their own hand draw from a central pile, move and play technologies on a single timeline while placing their influence cubes on existing technologies. Now, this is, this is interesting. Legacy is played on a timeline that grows at the, end of each, or, uh, at the end of each of four rounds. Players take turns during a round consisting of three actions each. During each turn, you may travel back in time, play a technology card from your hand, Influence an existing technology or draw two cards, uh, keeping only one. As you travel back in time, technologies are played from your hand by playing their, uh, by paying their discard cost. Any technologies you play generate influence for you automatically. I, you know, games, board games, card games always sound a lot more 
complicated than they actually are from yes from explanations yes, <laughs> so okay having more influence than your opponents is the key to claiming rewards for a technology at the end of each round rewards are given for each technology and its dependencies uh, one influence cube from each technology will come off at the end of each round forming your influence pool to be used in future rounds to influence existing technologies. Keep in mind, a technology is only considered successful if all of its dependencies exist previously on the timeline. Complicated. What? I didn't catch that, man. Yeah, my younger brother, Paul, I bet you he'd be all over this. Paul's a lot smarter than you, Brad. Oh, way smarter. He's the smarter branch of the Swickard family. All right, so let me let me let me wrap up here. Um, since there are several copies of each technology, you may be may, may be able to preempt and eliminate an existing copy by playing yours earlier in the timeline. Be sure there is room for your new technology, though. Each time frame has a capacity equal to its distance from the present. So this sounds like you got to be smart to play it. Um, Starting to sound like Royal Fizbin from Star Trek. Wait, what? Royal Fizbin? I'm a Star Trek fan. I don't know what that is. What is that? Classic Trek. It's the bogus game that they uh, developed to kind of confuse the uh, the alien sort of mobsters. This is when they're on the planet that uh, um. These aliens were very imitative, mm-hmm. and somebody accidentally left like a book from the 30s there when they were observing the planet, oh. and so they created the whole gangster society. I do on remember the planet. that. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember the game though. Yeah, Royal Fizbin. Uh, it's uh, uh, Kirk and Spock are making up rules on the fly. You know, it's like, well, you know, this would beat this, except on Tuesdays when actually this would beat this. So they're trying to like figure out the rules that they're just pulling out of their hindquarters while they're while they're going, and uh, it was very very confusing. Okay, and so designed to be a distraction. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, there's one more paragraph about this game. By strategically influencing existing technologies, adapting to your opponent's actions, and carefully choosing when to go further back in time, you will find yourself victorious over your rivals. History remains intact until the ancient machine demands you return to the past to rebuild history and your legacy once more. So it's just a matter of basically uh, strategery. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta have strategy. Nice. Um, So yeah, just think think if this was actually, you could actually do this. Like um, go back in time and invent... The automobile before Henry or before whoever it was that first introduced or first invented a car, you know, how that would change the future. That would be uh, pretty staggering, I would think. You would win the game. You would win the game of life if you could do that, you know. Now, with the technologies, are we talking like the wheel? If you could go back a little bit further and develop the wheel, yeah, because just, going- yeah, just because because just think how farther along human society would be if they had gotten the wheel earlier. You're right. You're absolutely right. Huh. Yeah. I'm sorry. Wow, man, that sounds like a game for really, really smart people. Come on, Uh, stay in character, Brad, or Brad Swickard. Sorry, man. 
So question for you guys. If you could go back in time and invent something earlier than it was actually invented, what would it be and when? I guess the when depends on when the actual thing was invented first. And how do you think it would affect history? The bong, man. Yeah. <laughs> okay, you can break character I, for this. Okay. <laughs> Thank God. I honestly don't think that the bong should have been invented any earlier. Oh, wow. That's a good question. I, I think, you know, it really, it, I, I think if if we could have discovered or or harnessed electricity a little bit earlier than we did, I think that would be kind of cool. Could you imagine having electricity in, like, during the Dark Ages? They wouldn't be dark. They wouldn't be Dark uh. Ages anymore. <laughs> ah, yes! You followed where I was going there. But no, I mean, seriously, uh, uh, having electricity... You know, uh, or 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 having like um, superior like firepower, like bringing like uh, automatic weapons or rockets mm-hmm. to civil to the civil war. You know, how would have how would that affect, you know, the outcome of you know, say yeah. you wanted to affect the South, to you know, because you're a big like um, Southern redneck and you want you want you want the South to win. You know, so you. you yep. You go back in time, you give them like automatic weapons and like uh, these advanced technologies. I think if you'd have to make sure that you weren't bringing back technology that is so far advanced, because the only I think the only problem with bringing electricity to the dark ages is you would probably be killed as a witch or a demon. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, but like in your example of the Civil War, they already had the gun, they had the musket, they had you know they had the rifle. If you had something that, you know, and Colt had just, uh, it was towards the end of the Civil War, had, you know, had had the the Colt revolver. Mm-hmm. Um, having something, I mean, they had the concept of a, of a gun that could shoot multiple or was geared to shoot multiple bullets within one load. I think if you, you know, showed up with a AK-47, that wouldn't be that far out of the realm of, you wouldn't be shot for witchcraft. No. <laughs> So, Anessa, what what would you go back to invent before it was actually invented? Um, I honestly have no idea, like, what I would want to invent before it was invented. Or how about a concept? Not necessarily a thing, but maybe introduce a concept that people didn't really, weren't really aware of. You know, like, for example, you know, the Earth isn't the center of the universe you know get out of my head i was thinking that dave oh that is weird (laughs) and that we're not like or we're a helio heliocentric our solar system's heliocentric um hmm. i don't know like the gods are not i I think maybe (laughs) something with like meteorology like the gods are not mad at you that is just a thunderstorm. Right. But but then it would also be kind of difficult, though, because they could only work with what they can see. And without some form of communication with maybe somebody up the road or radar technology. Bring a bring an iPad so, with you to explain it in a PowerPoint. I mean, maybe if, if they um, 
did radio transmissions earlier, or at least like the Morse code thing. Mm-hmm. A form of communicating over long distances and like a really short period of time rather than like mail that took forever to get wherever it was going. Okay. So Yeah, I guess the uh quicker communication. I guess there wouldn't be what that I would bring. There wouldn't be that whole uh Paul Revere's ride during the Revolutionary War <laughs> if they had uh they had uh, a, the telegram. Yeah, just send a telegram. <laughs> I'm going to send uh, the I'm gonna coming. S- stop. The British or even, <laughs> are coming. Or even better, SMS, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, what would the message the British are coming be in shorthand in, in text shorthand? Brits. OMG. Are <laughs> OMG? Can I has red coats? <laughs> I can has red coats. <laughs> All right, let's. Uh, let's Ermagerd. Yeah, Ermagerd. 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 Red coats. All right, Ermagerd. so Ermagerd. let's. <laughs> okay. So there you go. Okay. There we go. That's uh, that's enough for uh, time travel. Let's move on. Uh, before we hit robots, uh, we would love to know what you think of the stories that we have covered so far. So please leave, leave us feedback by going to contact.galacticnetcast.com. What's the email address, Anessa? Galacticnetcasts at gmail.com. They can also call our voicemail at 805-328-3966. Do I need to say that slower? <laughs> You mean oh, eight oh five three two eight three nine six six. Yes. Oh, Brad, um, Brad, Brad. Is there a uh, is there a forum that people can uh, comment on the shows? Well, absolutely, there is. You can go to ttris dot dot com, and you can leave a comment there on the episode page, or. We're on the intertubes and other places, yeah. social media, yeah, Facebook. Twitter, Facebook, uh-huh. Google+. Yep. We all have accounts on those three different forms of media, so you can go to those uh, sites and you can check us out there, leave a comment, or, or you can post things on there. All right. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah, exactly. Uh, all right, let's move on. All right, Brad, you've got the robot story. That I do. Brad Swickard. Hold <laughs> Hold on to your uh, – yeah, so in keeping with the theme of, of Valentine's Day, let's go over the top sci-fi robot girlfriends. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. Hubba hubba. <laughs> oh, yes. And looking at the list here, um, wow, yes. We got some, uh, some pretty uh, – some pretty awesome uh, robot girlfriends. Um, it, it, so, and I've totally like lost my train of thought. I apologize. That was so, awesome. That was really cool. <laughs> Do that more. Do more of that. I like that. Uh, it sounds like I'm choking to death. <laughs> Anyways, keeping in keeping with the theme of Valentine's Day, someone kindly enough at CNET.com. Uh, put together a list. So on this week's episode of Top 5, Donald Bell counts down his favorite female cybernetic companions. Now, he tried to balance out the list with some man bots, but uh, they all turn out to be murderous psychopaths like, you know, the Terminator. Uh, Or... (laughs) 
goofy, annoying ones like C-3PO. So we're just going to go over the ladies-only portion of the list. I like it. Ladies. Seriously, would you want to go out on a date with C-3PO? No. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Thank you. I rest my case. Uh, So here are the top five sci-fi robot girlfriends. Coming in at number five, Cherry 2000. Uh, from the 1987 movie that bears her name. And uh, oh, what was the name of the actress uh, married to Antonio Banderas? Oh, Melanie. No, Melanie no. Griffith. Griffith. Yes. Oh, I spelled bears what? wrong, too. <laughs> but it kind of works. Bears. It, it, it does, actually. B-A-R-E-S. Um, has anybody uh, here seen Cherry 2000? I have. I just recently uh, watched it last year, I believe. I have as well. Vanessa? No? I've All right. seen bits and pieces, but I haven't seen the whole it's thing. It's not a good movie. Okay. It's, it's pretty bad. It's Yeah, it's not that good. Um, but to see Melanie Griffith play like a kick-ass post-apocalyptic bounty hunter is actually kind of fun. Uh, coming in at number four is Andrea from Star Trek The Original Series from the episode What Little Girls Are Made Of. And this is the episode where they went down to this planet to check in on a scientist that hadn't uh, been in contact with Starfleet for a while. And he had a woman with her, with him, that she was, that he, excuse me, he was saying was this person that was this, like, his daughter or something like that. And it turns out that he made this girl. She was an android, not a real person. Correct. That's right. And of course, Kirk ends up kind of breaking her by making her fall in love with him. <laughs> Go Starfleet. Uh, coming in at number three is number six from Battlestar Galactica. Oh, yeah. Reimagined series. Trisha um, Helfer. Mm-hmm. Trisha Helfer. Hubba hubba. She's. Um, I don't uh, don't really go for blondes, but she's she's all right. She's a tall glass of water, that Trisha Helfer. <laughs> she's a tall drink of water there. <laughs> Back in my day, we we dated cybernetic women, and it was fantabulous. <laughs> all right, uh, number two, Call from Alien Resurrection, played by Winona Ryder. Uh, anybody here see Alien Resurrection? It's been a long time, but I have seen it. I'd rather be set on fire. Yeah, it was bad. Not good. Uh, And last but not least, Rachel from Blade Runner. Oh, yeah. Who played her? Uh, That was Sean Young. Okay, that's right. Um, Yeah, I'm going to have to disagree with the number one. But but this is uh, CNET's list, not mine. So there you go. Blade Runner. What's that? Who would your number one be? Oh, wow. That is a good question. The Fembots. <laughs> From Austin no. Powers. No. Uh, wow. They, they could kill you with uh, certain parts of their body. <laughs> <laughs> I could, too. They're called my hands. <laughs> <laughs> and there it is. All right. Uh, moving on. Uh, There were a few that he had to cut from the list based on technicalities, including Seven of Nine, because she was born human. Uh, The Terminatrix was just too deadly and crazy. Uh, Cameron from the Sarah 
Connor Chronicles, Too Young Equals Creepy, which I, you know what? I would have probably gone with Cameron. But you know what? The character was young, not the actress. That is, um, what's her face? Help me out. The actress's she, name. Uh, she played River Tam. Uh, oh, ah! Summer Glow. Yeah, Summer Glow, thank you. Yep. yep. Uh, oh, and Lisa from Weird Science wasn't exactly made clear whether she was really a robot, which... She was more... Yeah, that's... She, that was more magic, really, than anything else. Well, that was science... Uh, really science gone crazy to the point where it seemed like magic. Yeah, she was made out of a basically a modified Barbie doll, mm-hmm. if I recall correctly. And all the stuff that they, they pumped into her, you know, all the, yeah. all the images from those magazines... Yeah. Um, and uh, I will have uh, you can take a, a closer look at the uh, top five list uh, from CNET if you take a look at the show notes. And you can uh, go to galacticnetcasts.com and check it out. All right. I, I'm trying to think who else would make my list if I, if I put together a similar list. I mean, number six, obviously. Oh, you know what? Rosie the robot. Boom! <laughs> she was hot. <laughs> she knows how to vacuum. <laughs> there was a 1960s show about a robot. Um, I'm like sure a, there were a couple. Well, no, I mean, it, it was a similar thing. It was a woman robot. She was like a maid or something like that. I don't know. It was bad. It was terrible. It wasn't on very long. All right. Huh. I, um, I got nothing. Huh. All right. Uh, you guys ready to move on? Want to move on? I, I think so. All right. Great list. Thank you, Donald Bell from CNET. Okay, so the Time Traveling Robots in Space is brought to you by Audible.com. For you, the Galactic Netcast listeners, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. And we checked out uh, the list of related uh, audiobooks. What did, what did we find, Brad? Well, we uh, dug into the archives there, and we found a wonderful story called Star Trek The Return, which was published in 1996, and it was written and narrated by William Shatner. Uh, here's a little uh, a little snippet of what it's about. Uh, Viridian Three is a world uh, a world has been saved. And the USS Enterprise 1701D lies in ruins, and one of the galaxy's greatest heroes rests beneath a simple cairn of rocks on a lonely hillside. But as a legendary Vulcan ambassador comes at last to the grave of his best best and dearest friend, the adventure is only beginning. For the Borg and renegades from the Romulan Empire have joined forces in an unholy alliance against the United Federation of Planets, and their ultimate weapon is none other than James T. Kirk. Resurrected by mysterious alien science to destroy the Borg's most formidable enemy, Jean-Luc Picard. From Deep Space Nine to the Borg homeworld itself, the battle is joined in the ultimate confrontation between the old generation and the new. Old friends are reunited and ancient secrets revealed as Riker, Spock, Data, and all of the Federation's best and brightest find themselves enmeshed in a cosmic saga that will test their strengths and loyalties to the very limit. And here, 
is a sample. Commander Riker, this is Kilborn with... Her heartbeat, the static cleared, and Kilborn's distraught voice cut through the Viridian night. Can't tell where they're coming from. Two shuttles gone. We need... Riker tapped his badge again. Riker to Ambassador Spock. A moment passed. Then the deep, familiar voice answered, Spock here. Ambassador, there appears to be some trouble at the salvage site. I'm going to have to ask you to remain here while I beam back to check the situation. Of course, Commander. What is the nature of the trouble? I'm not sure. It almost sounds as if they're under attack. Spock said nothing more. I love William Shatner. He can do no wrong. <laughs> He's an interesting dude, that's for sure. He's a wonderful marketer. I mean, he markets himself beautifully. Yes. Yep, yep. So, He's uh, actually going to be at the Dallas Comic Con in May. Oh, Shut is up. he now? Really? Never, never, yep. never. <laughs> and there I it is. I didn't say I was going, but uh, okay. he's well, going to be there. You could if you wanted to. I could if I wanted to. You should totally go. You guys in your comic cons and your conventions and stuff. I, You know, I'm, that's the one thing living in the middle of Wisconsin. Um, you really, really don't have opportunities like that, yeah. unfortunately. Closest ones you could go to is probably either Chicago or Minneapolis. Yeah, pretty much. Minneapolis I mean, Gen just... Con got moved down to Indiana, so. But that that's more fantasy than it is really. Well, no, that's kind of really changed to uh, doing a lot of gaming and stuff like that. But we're kind of off topic yeah. now. Let's go back to it. Hi. So, how did they get their free audio book? Well, tell us, Anessa. Ooh, but I asked the question. <laughs> you know I what you can do. You can download your free audiobook today if you go to audibletrial.com slash galacticnetcasts. Again, in case you didn't hear it, audibletrial.com slash galacticnetcasts. And we always thank Audible for their support of the time-traveling robots in space. All right, great team space. effort, guys. Space! Space. Speak of the devil, here we go. Uh, Nessa, what do you got? Kirk to ISS. Come in, ISS. Last Thursday, actor William Shatner, a.k.a. Captain James T. Kirk, Star Trek, called real-life astronaut uh, Chris Hadfield aboard the International Space Station for a 10-minute-long Q&A session. Before picking up the phone to talk to Shatner, Hadfield played the comm signal sound from the original series. I'm so moved to be able to speak to you for this brief moment, Shatner told the astronaut via phone. Last month, Hadfield and Shatner struck up a virtual conversation on Twitter when the actor asked the commander whether he was tweeting from space. That morphed into <clears throat> sorry, that morphed into the two connecting in real time for a chat about life in space and life on the stage. Shatner also got philosophical asking whether flying in space helped Hadfield contemplate the enormity of the universe. The fictional and real-life space travelers had a lot to talk about, but limited time, so the pair made plans to continue their conversation at Hadfield's Cottage in Ontario after the astronaut returns home in May. Did you guys watch this? I did not. Oh, it was so I didn't cool. See that, but I, I remember seeing a story about the original tweet that, uh, that kicked it all off. Yeah. Which was just, it was, it was kind of funny, and I wasn't sure if, if Hadfield was 
it, 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 you could have taken it one of two ways, but you kind of had the feeling that Hadfield was kind of being respectful yet playful. He um, is so cool. he is a cool ass astronaut. He's like like I followed I have followed plenty of astronauts from that are on ISS as they take pictures and and tweet and post you know status updates to the social networks. But Chris Hadfield does a really good job. Like he he's sending updates all the time. Like he he must post at least fifteen pictures a day. Oh wow! Yeah, it's he's doing an incredible, incredible job, and this interview was so awesome because they were intertwining all these like fictional things and and real life things. Like like William Shat- Shatner did a great job interviewing. He asked some really good questions, but uh, Chris would uh, throw in like he would relate things to Star Trek and relate things to other stuff that William Shatner has done. So I highly recommend you watch this video. It's freaking awesome. It was one of the coolest things that I've seen in a long time. That is really, really cool. Indeed. I have newfound respect for William Shatner, and I I discovered uh, Chris Hadfield. He's an awesome dude. He was like a like a fighter pilot, and he's a doctor, and he's he's a geek. Oh. So <laughs> wow. it, yeah. He's quite the Renaissance man, and he wants to go to Mars. He he's already volunteered to go to Mars. If wow. anyone can do it, he can. Yeah, yeah. So I, you guys should follow him either on Twitter or Google Plus. He he posts some really good stuff. Cool. Will do. I will check that out. We have an additional story this week in the space category. Uh, what? Yeah, we had to throw this in because this made huge news. This was big news, like the last. Um, well. It began with Harrison Ford, the rumor that he was going to be joining the cast of uh, Star Wars Episode Seven, And then it came word, like yesterday, that Mark Hamill's also in talks to return to Star Wars. Um, the actor, of course, starred as Luke Skywalker in the original trilogy, Star Wars films, alongside Carrie Fisher and Harrison Ford. It was previously reported that Harrison was set to reprise the role of Han Solo in the movie, which is being directed by J.J. Abrams, and that all three stars were interested. Now Mark has confirmed that the original actors have all been approached about the eagerly anticipated Episode 7. He told Entertainment Tonight, they're talking to us. George Lucas wanted to know whether we'd be interested. He did say that if we didn't want to do it, they wouldn't cast another actor in our parts, they would write us out. I can tell you right away that we haven't signed any contact contracts yet. Uh, discussing his possible role in future Star Wars films, he said, I'm assuming because I haven't talked to the writers that these movies would be about our offspring, like my character would be sort of an Obi-Wan Kenobi type character, an influ- influential character uh, to the younger y- younger characters. So... Uh, right there from the actors from the horse's mouth. Right there. From the Joker's mouth. <laughs> Mark Hamill is just, he's had such an interesting career. I mean, if you kind of pull out the, uh, what, the Corvette Summer, which is, I think that was the movie he did. Was that the movie that he got, um, how did he get hurt? He got like in a bad traffic accident, right? Between- yeah, he got into a wreck, uh, I think, in between 
episodes four and five. five. Yep. And that that wasn't related to doing any movie or anything like that. He was joyriding and had an accident, and okay. they had to do some reconstructive surgery on his face, actually. Face. Oh. Right in the face. So, um, but, you know, just to, to – I remember when uh, uh, they were talking about doing this Batman the Animated Series, and they were going to have Mark Hamill do the voice of the Joker. And I heard that, and I went, oh, that that sounds terrible. I don't – oh, they can't do that. And then you actually – his voice is now the Joker. Mm-hmm. You know, if you any games that they put out or any of the um, DC animated movies that they put out, they you know these actors tend to try to kind of style their voice after Mark Hamill. So it's cool to see him, you know, be able to get back into doing the character again for for Star Wars Seven. That would be awesome. Seeing what JJ did with Star Trek, bringing Leonard Nimoy back as Spock, I think he could pull this off. I think he could. He could put these guys in the right roles, you know, in the right. He, I think, he could make these characters. Obviously, they're not going to be a huge part. They're going to be minor next to the the new, the newer actors and actresses playing the younger younger roles. But I think they could be uh, pivotal to the story. Don't you guys think? Yeah, I do. I was going to let Anessa chime in first. Oh no, I I think that they. They can definitely be pivotal to the to the story, um, and I'd hate to actually see them just written out if they don't agree to do it. So hopefully, they'll all be on board. Plenty of money there. I don't think it's a money issue. I think <laughs> it's just a matter of, I guess, if they want to, yeah, do the role again after can, all these years. Can you guys see Carrie Fisher back? I mean, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not quite sure about Carrie Fisher. Why is that? Although she, she's really gotten herself together. Like she, didn't she like lose a bunch of weight? Like she's like almost down to like the size that she was in the first movies or something. That was a big story recently. I swear to God, I heard that. I have no idea. Last hmm. time I saw her, she was on the late, late show with Craig Ferguson and she was curvy. Okay. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm just saying that I don't. I think she would. It depends on how they like write them back in. So I mean, a few pounds is fine if yeah. they're going to be parents or something. It's yeah. Like yeah. Exactly. They're going to be skinny forever. Yeah. I mean, because you age and you don't look like the way you looked when you were younger. That just that's that's happens. That's preach life. it, brother. <laughs> <laughs> Some people seem to not think that, or you know, they try to stop time from doing that to yourselves but you know it happens yes yeah and they end up like entropy's a bitch yeah. <laughs> they're crazy facelifts yeah we're talking to you um who's that comedian carrot top no oh uh, he's creepy now yeah, yeah he is he's big mu- <laughs> he's muscly and he's he's had work done too he's yeah he's creepy no, I'm t- Joan Rivers. Oh, Joan Rivers. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it kind yeah, of but she her. she openly admits that she's yeah. done it. Yeah, that's actually a part of her act. Yeah. So yeah, she's. I love her. She's pretty cool. All right, so there you go. That's our three themes, our three uh, topics for the podcast. So um, 
before we move on to picks, uh, don't forget that you can t- you can listen to Galactic Netcasts, uh, both this one, Time Traveling Robots in Space, and The Alien Invasion on Stitcher Smart Radio. And where can people put the Stitcher app on, Brad? <laughs> oh, uh, on your smart devices, uh, like I have a Galaxy S3, um, a wonderful smartphone, and I do have the Stitcher app on here. I do like to listen to myself because I'm a narcissist. But uh, no, it's a, and they've just upgraded the app too, so you can actually get kind of a, a quick snapshots based on uh, your listening habits. So it's kind of, uh, it learns from you uh, as you use the app. It's and you can favorite shows, you can favorite, uh, you can favorite uh, time traveling robots in space uh, and have a quick way to access your favorite podcasts. So what, what, uh, what, you, what is, what is Stitcher recommended for you? Do you um, know? Wow. Uh, that's a very good question. Um, right now, uh, my front page is kind of filled with uh, Oscar stuff, uh, a bit of science, okay. uh, a story about a Mexican scientist, uh, make saving bats his life's work. Yeah, because Stitcher is also not just a home for podcasts. There's like news on Stitcher too. Like you can, yeah. you can get it set up where you get news updates. Like if a story breaks, they will actually yep. send you a notification or you can listen to a story. Yeah, actually, uh, I think about once a day, I'll get a, you know, well, depending on when news breaks, but uh, it's usually about once a day, I'll get uh, a link that'll just show up. And it's not like an email, it's not like a text, it's a, uh, the app actually pings your phone and uh, gives you, uh, when you take a look at it, it'll, it'll give you kind of a brief synopsis of what they're pinging you on, and then you can click to it and listen to the audio. So, yeah, it's really, really handy, it keeps you... Uh, keeps you informed and in touch with uh, the things that you're interested in like time traveling robots in space all right and you can also what what? oh i was gonna say i was just looking at my list of my my smart station and was kind of amused (laughs) it's all astronomy related well that's what you're into you know yep Yep. and uh Um, speaking of that what kind of phone do you have anessa iphone (laughs) so it's available on the iphone too you don't, you don't have to have a Galaxy S3. You don't have to have Android. You can have iOS. You can get a BlackBerry. Uh, it's also available for the Nook and other tablets. You know, basically anything that you can put an app on, you can get Stitcher. So what, did you have anything more to say, Anessa? Did you have... Uh, no? Nope. Okay. Actually, and I think uh, Stitcher and a couple other companies like that are actually starting to get on board with... Uh, setups in in newer cars ford ford sync has them yep the yeah. ford sync okay yep and i'm sure other other manufacturers have similar uh systems but yeah uh it's pretty sweet so um stitcher smart radio is the smarter way to listen to radio and again go to stitcher.com slash galactic netcasts and enter that promo code galactic netcasts and we thank stitcher for their support of the time traveling robots in space all right time for picks and brad is up first Man, you really kind of put me on the spot with uh, uh, trying to figure out what to what to pick, and uh, I had to go with uh, a web comic that um, I pick up. Uh, it's an ongoing web comic, and I'll uh, I think it updates like 
maybe twice a week. So I will walk away from it for a while and then go back to it and then read a whole bunch of them. It's called Supermassive Black Hole A-Star. Now that's a really long name. Um, but it's a really cool ongoing webcomic, and here's a little bit uh, about it. Um, it tells stories uh, of a human civilization at the center of the Milky Way galaxy. Uh, an area of space dominated by a gigantic black hole where energy is abundant and life is cheap. How humans got there and how they survive remains to be seen. Uh, A-Star Comics arrives daily Monday through Friday. Oh, it is weekly. Wow. I guess I don't read it as often as I, 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 sh I should. Time to catch up, Brad. Uh, Time to catch way up. Uh, although sometimes they don't need, uh, they don't get finished and uploaded until the wee hours of the next morning, technically speaking. Uh, and uh, going on a little bit further, in case you're wondering, yes, there really is a supermassive black hole at the center of our galaxy, Sagittarius A. So named by scientific observers because it appears as the brightest part of the of a high energy radio source, uh, denominated A. Uh, located in the constellation Sagittarius when viewed from Earth. Uh, Sagittarius A is the center of the Milky Way galaxy, about 26,000 light years from Earth, uh, and is, it is roughly 4 million times as massive as the Sun. Wow. Um, in the uh, arcs that I've been reading, it, it follows the story of a character who is uh, an assassin when it talks about life being cheap. Um, uh, there is a, I don't want to give too much away, but essentially, uh, assassin assassinations are ordered and they are carried out by a person or a, oh, I don't want to give that away. Don't, but, don't, don't then, don't. Uh, but it, it follows the story of space and these group of people, like it says in there, um, uh, towards the center of the, the Milky Way galaxy, and it deals a lot with science, with technology, and um, some corporate espionage and things like that. So if you're interested in a comic that um, the art style is, it, it's a little, it's rough, but it's kind of designed to be rough, like Frank Miller, like Sin City. Um, it, it's specifically drawn to be rough and gritty because the content is rough and gritty. So the, the art really matches the, the tone of the comic very well. Um, yeah, I highly recommend uh, checking it out. It is smbazenboyhax.com, and we'll have a, a link to that in the show notes. But it is Supermassive Black Hole A-Star. Does time go by really slow in this society? Uh, no, it, uh, it, it travels at a normal pace, or at least it, it seems normal to them. Okay. Cause I was, I was trying to make a joke that, you know, the closer you get to the black closer hole, closer they get to the event horizon, slower, slower time. Yeah. 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 See, I didn't know if it was that or <laughs> since, uh, Brad Swigard's supposed to be a stoner. Oh. Um, it was a few years ago with the Michigan Ooh. cop. That was like time is going by really, 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 really slow. I think we're dead. <clears throat> Did you guys ever hear that? No, uh, tell us more. Oh, um, so this cop in, was it Grand Rapids, maybe? Anyway, it's somewhere in Michigan. And um, he confiscated some weed, and he and his wife baked it in brownies, and then they ate the brownies. But they ate, apparently, a lot of brownies, and they thought they OD'd. 
And so they called 911. And I forget exactly how long the phone call is, but at some point he asks what sports scores are, and there's another part where he's like, I think we're dead. He's like, or no, I think we're dying. He's like, time is going by really, 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 really slow. I think we're dead. And it was, it's a hilarious phone call to listen to. Is this audio someplace available on the internet? On the YouTube. On the YouTubes. Okay. Yes. (laughs) Going to have to look that up after the show's done. Wow. Yeah. And it's funny because the, um, the, the local news station did a story on it. And so, of course, they take like a small snippet of the phone call. And the newscasters, like one of them's laughing so hard she snorts, and that's pretty funny too. So, <laughs> if if you find it, Perla snorts. <laughs> Sweet. So, it's entertaining. All right, awesome pick, Brad. Good job. Good last minute, as as the last minute substitute. Good job. <laughs> Ray substitute Swicker pulls it out. <laughs> that's what. That she said. Uh. Okay, so we've been talking a lot about Star Trek on this episode, as we often do. Like we uh, we had William Shatner calling the astronaut in space, then we had the Star Trek audible recommendation. Well, I'm going to recommend as my pick this week Star Trek Insurrection. Have you guys have you guys seen Insurrection? I'm not. Yes. I'm guessing from your reaction, Brad, that's not your favorite Star Trek movie. No. Okay. All right, so let me run it down real quick. Um, Star Trek Insur- bleh, bleh. <laughs> Star Trek Insurrection. Enterprise crew member Data was taking part in an operation the Federation has with a race known as the Sona to observe another race known as the Baku. Uh, they're wearing stealth suits so that the Baku cannot see them, but suddenly Data rips off his suit and reveals himself and exposes everyone. Picard is then contacted by Admiral Dougherty, who tells Picard that Data has to be stopped, even if it means destroying him. Picard asks for permission to try and stop him without doing that. He succeeds. He then tries to find what happened to Data. That's when they discover a plot by the Sona and the Federation to remove the Baku from the planet because they want to tap the radiation radiation being emanated by the nearby... uh, emanated by the nearby planet's rings, which have regenerative properties. Picard then airs his objections to Dougherty, who tells him that everything they're doing is within the Federation guidelines. That's when Picard steps down as captain and decides to help the Baku, Data, Crusher, Worf, and Troy. So what are your objections about this, Brad? Well, one, the concept's already been done the you know the uh, the enterprise gets uh, or somebody in the federation gets nabbed for observing uh, a race um, I can't remember what season it was it happened with uh, uh, yeah, this, uh, yeah it was a planet it, it creates a, the the religion around the Picard yep um, it just felt like a kind of a retreaded idea and then having this admiral it was so non-federation to have yeah. them go well we need to evict all these people so we can take their stuff you know it was just like a, a complete callback to um you know the the manifest destiny the white man's burden 
of you know the whole thought process that the white man needs to to push the the Native Americans off of their land because their land has got great resources. It just really seemed like a complete throwback and entirely against Federation principle. Yeah, there so, there was some things I didn't like about the movie, but I think the argument for acting the way he did, and he explained it that they were just coming off the Dominion War and. They needed as much help as they could, and the Baku helped them. Or Baku, yeah, Baku. No, Sona. The Sona helped them during the Dominion War, so they're helping them back. They're they're doing them a favor by giving them these uh, this stuff around this planet to help them um, regain their physical. Because the Sona are their bodies are all deteriorating, right? That's that's the deal with them. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. They get their faces stretched regularly. The face. I didn't like how it seemed like with uh, Star Trek Insurrection, they were really trying to show off all these toys. Did you notice that? Like the the Admiral's yacht, or I mean the Captain's yacht, that uh, that came off the bottom of the Starship Enterprise. Yeah, this that was the other thing, too. I remember all the toys that came out for this film. <laughs> It was ridiculous. Yeah, it just—it really, you know, it—it it, uh, it just felt so not true to 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 the Federation that that we've known for so long. And then, you know, it was just—it it felt like a Lucasfilm in that, you know, you have all these different sets. People are swapping out costumes so that they could sell more stuff. You know, and it just—it eh. had some redeeming qualities, though. I liked the how Jordy got to see with his own eyes for the first time. That was neat. Um, I liked the yeah. whole I liked the whole perfect moment thing where yeah. the Picard romance with I forget the character's name, the woman on the planet who was like super old. All these people on this planet are like really old, but they live on this planet that have these this regenerative properties that keeps them young. Um so I like I I like that whole perfect moment like they were watching the bird the the um what's that bird called the the hummingbird slow down and uh his wings slowed down super yeah they slow way down I remember yeah 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 and he used that later on to save her in that that rock slide within those caverns so I liked that part I it was cool to see Picard actually get the girl for the first time you know. Well, you know, uh, on uh, Riza, was it was it Riza the um, the the archaeologist woman that yeah. he ended up? Yeah, what was her name? Hooking up with? Ah, oh, crap. Yeah, she she was always kind of a thorn in his side because she was like a reoccurring character. She she was on a couple of episodes. Yep. Always stealing, and Picard was always like, "Oh, you shouldn't be doing that. You shouldn't be stealing." <laughs> The whole Federation mantra, you know. Yep. Which, unfortunately, they're actually helping somebody steal the planet from the Baku. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I could see where they were going with that. I could see the whole... But he was just corrupt, man. That that admiral. And yeah. That, and that character was so two-dimensional. I didn't, he was just terribly unlikable, and it really transferred to the Federation, where I was left going, what the hell has happened to the Federation here? This is terrible. You know, could, you know, you know there, there was just no justification for it. You know what was cheesy was that whole um, joystick that came up out of the floor of the Enterprise Bridge. Yeah. 
There was no need for that at all. <laughs> or uh, the Gilbert and Sullivan scene where, uh, yep. yeah, Picard is or uh, Picard is trying to snap um, data data out of his uh, issue that he was having. So. Yep. Yep. All right, so I I liked it for some parts, but overall, it's not the best Star Trek film. All right, Anessa. <laughs> so don't, we like totally left you out of the conversation. Don't want to interrupt you. What you're doing on your phone? She's checking out Stitcher. Oh, okay, all right, that's, that's cool. So, what do you got for your uh, for your pick this week? Oh, you're we you can't hear you. You're muted. All right. <laughs> Sorry. I figured if I made any noise, I wouldn't interrupt the conversation. Well, thank I you. I muted myself. Thank you. Sorry for leaving you yeah. out, but... That's okay. Me and me and Brad were in deep track time there. <laughs> That's all right. I had my phone to entertain me. <laughs> um, so my pick this week has nothing to do with space or time travel. <laughs> Or robots, because I got, um, I decided to kind of go with a Valentine's Day theme. Yeah, because it is Valentine's Day after all. We can't forget that it's Valentine's Day. Well, true enough. <laughs> um, the, what, my pick for this week is Timer. And, um, I'll read a little bit of the description on Rotten Tomatoes, but it says, Life doesn't offer many guarantees, but in the alternate universe of writer-director... Jack Schaefer's feature debut, the romantic comedy Timer, uh, people can get a digital clock implanted on their wrist that counts down to the second they meet the one. It even sounds a little alarm the first time two soulmates look into each other's eyes. The device is not working too well for Una um, because her timer is blank. That means her soulmate, whoever he is, hasn't yet signed up for the service. So Una dates guys without timers and forces them to get the implant if the relationship looks promising. But so far, no dice. Um, Una's 20-something half-sister, Steph, is also unlucky. Her timer tells her she won't meet Mr. Wright for about 20 years. Um, so yeah, like this is basically the movie. Is These two sisters are having to, I guess, struggle in their own way with having a timer. One being, she won't know, or she knows she's not going to meet, like, her perfect soulmate for, like, another 20 years. And Una, the main character in the movie, um, her timer is blank. And so, um, I don't know how I feel about the movie. <laughs> Honestly, I mean, like, it's, it's, I guess, entertaining for um, a movie somewhat. But I think it's kind of frustrating, though, because, one, like, these people never really know what love is until they meet the one, and it's all based upon meeting the one, so they don't, a lot of people don't bother looking for anyone else, they just kind of wait for their timer to go off, and so, um, yeah, apparently this movie had its premiere at the 2009 Tribeca Film Festival, so, um... It yeah, was I, a little frustrating to watch. <laughs> so well, you know, it's that whole and it, and it's like Una would try relationships, and then she would take them to the place where they would have their timer installed, 
And she did this so often that the people there knew her. <laughs> and, um, yeah, it, I, I don't know. It's just kind of frustrating to me. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's at least entertaining if you wanted to give it a watch, but. <laughs> I can see what you were doing here, Anessa. You were, you were trying to find something to fit with Valentine's Day. To fit with Valentine's yeah. Day and the quest to find love. And this is what this movie is about, is trying to either... Well, what I got from it is people are trying to find their true love, but at the same time, they're trying to figure out what love is because they've never experienced it. Mm-hmm. And I think that was probably the frustrating part. Because <laughs> as they say, it was better. it's better to have loved and lost to have, than to have never loved at all. But this is a society where a lot of people never love at all until they meet that person mm-hmm. so i think that's sending the wrong message because i think i believe that you can know what love is without falling in love i think that's something right. that you're taught pretty early you know well, i mean like and and you have a love for like your your siblings and your parents and your your closest friends you have a love but apparently these people just said i don't know what love is and that was just kind of frustrating. And I think it maybe sends the wrong message, too, that you shouldn't... It's not necessarily good to have a single focus like that, to be always looking for the one, because you may miss something. Right. And some people refuse to get a timer because they're like, well, I don't want to have to live my life by this stupid watch. I'm just going to go out and date whoever and, you know, love whoever. So... um yeah, and not to really spoil anything, but Una ends up meeting this guy that ends up falling in love with her, and she just kind of dismisses him because the timer thing. So it's just kind of frustrating. This sort of <laughs> has a sci-fi angle to it. I mean, it's an alternate it universe. It's, it's, like, you know? it's an alternate universe, and somehow you're, you, you have this thing implanted in your wrist that basically keeps track of when you're going to meet your mate and I would guess at that point you can go on leading your life but yeah it's I guess like the alternate universe would be the sci-fi bit yeah more than anything well so. good good attempt Anessa <laughs> well I did I really liked love in space but I didn't want to do that pick again because that was fairly recent so. yeah no it was very recent yeah I saw that on Netflix, yeah, came up on a search I did or something, or came up as a suggestion for me, which is no surprise at all, really. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I would much re- uh, rather people watch Love in Space than Timer. All right, <laughs> okay. See, uh, you know, picks don't no, don't necessarily equal recommendations. Uh, right. So. Uh, all right. Thanks for being honest. Appreciate it. <laughs> there you go. So we're going to put uh, each of these on, well, except for Brad's. Uh, Brad, the odd man out. Uh, we're going to put uh, Star <laughs> yes. Trek Insurrection and uh, Timer up on our picks page at galacticnetcasts.com. And that way you can uh, buy them and we get a portion of the proceeds uh, if you go through the picks. You know what? Go through the picks page to buy some toilet paper you know if you if you do any shopping on amazon go to galacticnetcast.com 
click on picks, and that way uh, Amazon will know that you went through our website, and we'll get a small stip- stipend, a stipend from Amazon if you make some purchases. So. Man, if somehow you could link that to like shirt.woot, you'd be set. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's owned by Amazon, but it doesn't exactly connect that way. Maybe and can... Anessa would single-handedly be funding the show. Yeah. I would. <laughs> Maybe we can talk to somebody. Damn them and their awesome shirts. You know, we, we discussed getting shirts, Galactic Netcast shirts, so maybe uh, figure out... You know, they, they have on- online realtor, realtors. <laughs> they do have online they realtors. <laughs> online... Uh, places where you can actually get shirts like we wouldn't have to actually get our own shirts made they will sell press is that one of them i think like you can design your own shirts and then sell them through a website and you don't have to do anything you know they'll ship them they'll take care of the money so maybe that's something that we can look into since we talked about yeah as as long as the 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 one thing i don't want to have happen is and i've seen this time and time again is you get like somebody has like run the the paper or the special kind of transfer paper through a printer and then they iron it on that's the one thing i don't want yeah you know i don't want to have people that enjoy the show like uh like an alien invasion we got jason and peter i don't know who your cast of regulars are who who uh leave feedback for for this show but I wouldn't want those guys to end up with a heat transferred iron on shirt. That yeah. just eh. We'll do some research. We'll figure it out. We'll we'll make we'll get it done. Um I guess uh, yeah, and like I said, I do have connections. It would just be actually designing the look of the shirt. So Okay. All right, awesome. Uh before we move on to the question of the week, don't forget you can Subscribe to this very podcast. We would really appreciate it. Uh, You can subscribe to both the time-traveling robots in space individually or the mega feed. And I would like you to consider subscribing to the mega feed. And I will tell you the reason why in a few minutes. But first, let's check out the... Let's do the question of the week. You guys ready? Ready. Yes. All right. Inspired by the story about William Shatner and Chris Hadfield having their Q&A, what question would you like to ask an astronaut? Uh, can be anyone from any space mission, Mercury, Apollo, shuttle, etc. So um, do you want me to give you my answer first to give you guys some time? I can answer. It doesn't matter. Okay, go <laughs> ahead, Anessa. Answer. Um, it's one of those, do you ever worry that you left the iron on? <laughs> what? Like you forgot something like you were leaving your apartment to get ready to go to this mission and you forgot to turn off the iron or you forgot to turn off the TV. I see. Okay. You left something on. All right. Um I think <laughs> like this little moment like am I forgetting something is essentially what I want to know. Like do they sit there in the cockpit of the shuttle and wonder am I forgetting something? Did I feed what the did cat? I did I leave food out for the cat? <laughs> hmm. Did I remember to tell mom that I'm going to be in space for a couple of weeks? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? If you forgot that, I, <laughs> I would say that you don't have a very good relationship with your mother. No. <laughs> it's goofy, but I want to know, like, do they sit there in the cockpit and think that, you know, like, what did I forget? 
Yeah. Like, I forgot to feed my goldfish Timmy. And and do they take the medication for the OCD that they obviously have? <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine an OCD astronaut? Like, because, no. you know, how, how an OCD person will, like, um, touch a doorknob like three times. He has to touch it three times or else it goes crazy. Doing something space related like that. Like, um, what would it be? We have to go around the earth four times. Like, like they, they can't have the, uh, the vessel connecting to the International Space Station connect until like it's over a certain country or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. Like, we have to wait until we're over Auckland. <laughs> <laughs> Must see Auckland, New Zealand. <laughs> you can't go inside of the International Space Station until you touch the side of it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't touch the side. <laughs> That's funny. Okay, so my answer is, what was it like to feel weightlessness for the very first time? Because that's got to be a, a weird feeling, you know? I know most of them have felt it in the Vomit Comet, but that's for a very brief second yeah. or two. Or a few seconds, 30 seconds, I think. But what's it like? Yeah, especially for like the first time, and then it lasts longer than a few minutes. It's for like a few months. Yeah. So yeah, that's another. That'd be a great follow-up. I'd, I'd want to know like how they dealt with gravity coming mm-hmm. back. That's an even better question. <laughs> oh, it was funny because that reminds me of um, Mike Massimino. Whenever he he came back from a mission, <laughs> um, he went shopping for groceries uh, with his wife, I believe, and. Um, he had a bag of groceries in his hands and he was in the kitchen and he temporarily forgot that there was this thing called gravity and he just like let go of the bag. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a few days, I think, after his his mission. He hadn't been back for too long and he just kind of forgot and let the bag go. And I could see like, how that could happen, though. You know, you get used to... Ver- <laughs> well, you get-, get used to stuff and it's like, oh, okay, you know, okay, I'm just going to let that float here and... Yeah. I'm just going to let these bag of groceries float here next to the table. Pesky gravity. And gravity is a bitch and it's like, no. <laughs> just think if you could like control gravity, like have a little pocket of less gravity here, more gravity over here, you know? That'd be a great there, superpower. Be less gravity like it in the building I work at, just like fly up and down the stairs, that would be fun. Yeah. Did you know that there's a place in Canada with less gravity? Like there's a it's documented. I heard something about that. Yeah. Yeah. Did we talk about it on the show? Maybe. Possibly. I don't remember. I don't know. Anyways, all right. So, Brad, you got an answer for us? I do actually. Um, I think I would ask actually, and this would be a question I would ask any astronaut: would be what went through your mind the first time you saw the Earth from outer space? Okay. That would be a good question. Yeah. You know, did you become contemplative and wonder about your place in the universe? You know, being that far removed from your home, the place that you were born on, grew up on, and now you're looking over it? There was a related question that William Shatner asked Chris. Something about that, being contemplative or, or you know, thinking about bigger questions since you are in space. Yeah, I, I can definitely see people starting to like examine where they are in the universe and 
probably tend to realize how insignificant they actually well, are. You know, you know what? You don't even ha- really have to go in, you in don't space really for to. that. You just go outside. And yeah, on a starry a night, you know, on a clear night with a bunch of stars, you realize how small you are, you know? But, yeah. but like, the whole atmosphere of that changes if you're standing on the moon and asking that question. Right. Where, I mean, if you were to... The, pop off your helmet you 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 die i mean you are so far removed from the environment that you grew up on and now you're on the moon and you're you're doing experiments you're you're hitting a golf ball with a golf club and seeing how you know the different effects of gravity and all this stuff but to be able to look back at your home and know that you've got quite a trip to get back home mm-hmm. and who knows? You might not even get back home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's um, like they they talk about how that's one of the challenges with future missions to other places in our solar system, like Mars, is dealing with the psychological effects of seeing your planet so small. Yeah, I I can see that, and then also wondering if you'd actually ever make it back, yeah. depending on how things go. Like, yeah. Like that mission to Mars that that, that company is working on, that, that sending colonists there with no way of getting back. Like they're sending colonists there to colonize the planet, and you're not coming back home. That's got to that would take a special person. Yeah. Hopefully, not somebody that's written a manifesto or something yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. You know, you'd have to find that right combination of person that doesn't mind not being around. You know, it's not like you can run down the road and go to a Starbucks and run into somebody you went to high school with. That's that's done for you mm-hmm. forever. Yep. Yep. You have a you have to have an an adventurous spirit about you. That's for sure. And uh, and uh, and the knowledge of knowing that 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 adventure is never going to end. You're not going to be able to take a you know, plane ride or get in a boat and get back home. It's just, you're, you're done. That's, that's where you're going to be forever. Yep. Get used to it. Get settled in, get comfortable. It's your home. Yep. All right. If you would like to answer our question of the week, do it uh, via our voicemail number, 805-328-3966. Email it to us, galacticnetcasts at gmail.com. And we asked this on both of our podcasts, this one, and uh, the alien invasion. Just asking for a quick uh, check-in. We're calling it, on this show, the time-traveling robot roll call. (laughs) Mystery Science Theater throwback there. Um, So we heard from Jim Laragy, Laragy, L-A-R-A-G-Y, and uh, Jim wrote, this is my favorite podcast. I look forward to each new episode I listen via the Stitcher app from Columbus, Ohio. Thanks. Um, Sent from Jim's iPad. Uh, We had a similar email response from um, on Alien Invasion, and wasn't he listening on on Stitcher too? Yes, he was. Wow. Yeah. So Stitcher's kind of a big deal. Yeah. We should maybe stress Stitcher more. Talk about it more. Thanks, Jim. Yeah. Yes. Thank you, and I'm not even really technically a part of the show. <laughs> <laughs> Substitute Swickard says, thank you, Jim. If you would like to check in with us, be part of the time-traveling robot roll call, just uh, email galacticnetcasts at gmail.com with uh, how you listen, 
who you are, where you're from, just any, just a quick bam, 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 and uh, we'll get you on the show. And I was talking about the uh, mega feed earlier. Uh, you can subscribe to Time Traveling Robots in Space or the mega feed, which gets all the shows on the network. And I want to propose something to our listeners about uh, doing our shows in seasons. For example, we would do the Time Traveling Robots in Space for maybe four months, then take a two to two and a half month break and do some other stuff, then come back and do more episodes of Time Traveling Robots in Space. But in the meantime, we would do additional shows. Like we were talking about bringing the Sci-Fi Film School back, which we did uh, uh, a couple of years ago. Um, Anessa was part of it, along with our friend Matt Stott. It would have been last year because I've yes. joined you guys in the spring. So it was the very is early part, early part of 2012. Well, yeah. Yeah. Um, and we would watch a, uh, a sci-fi movie and then talk about it. So that's one idea of a thing that we want to bring back. But we can only do a couple of podcasts a week. So that's one of the reasons why we want to kind of do these in seasons and then make Galactic Netcasts more of a network. So you want to subscribe to the Mega Feed to get additional content. So we encourage you to, number one, subscribe to the Mega Feed, and number two, tell us what you think of this idea. Would you want to get more shows? Would you want us to take breaks and do seasons of these shows? We want to get your feedback on this to decide what exactly we want to do and stop Anessa from doing the hand dance, as she's doing right now. <laughs> no, it was cute. Continue. <laughs> Continue. It's like, don't hate my dance. All right, so uh, yeah, let us know what you think about that idea. I, because there's so many things that we could do. Like we could do a whole podcast on Star Trek, you know, or you know, and not necessarily one-off things, but maybe a series of episodes on a certain subject, you know, like uh, maybe do uh, Attack of the Fifties, do a whole series of shows devoted to Attack of the Fifties, you know, because Brad has seen a lot of bad 1950s movies, and I'm sure that. <laughs> Yes, a lot to say about that so yeah let us know what you think and uh, that's going to do it for this episode of time traveling robots in space episode number 57 thanks for joining us everybody and um, you better be prepared for this Brad Swickard for final thoughts because I think you know what's coming right be excellent to each other there you go I think you did it better than Paul <laughs> Or do I have to do it in the uh, in the stoner older brother character? Yeah, do it. Do it in Brad Swickard's voice. <laughs> Be excellent to each other, man. All right. Yeah. Anessa, what's your final thought? Yeah, I don't have anything to add to that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that pretty much tops it right there. That's it. Done and done. Just gonna leave it at that. Well, you can maybe you can title this episode "Substitute Swickard." There you go. Yes. That's going to be the title. All right, guys. <laughs> we'll talk to you next week. Sounds good. Thanks, Dave. Thank you, Brad. Thanks, Anessa. Bye, Anessa. Bye. Leave your hailing frequencies open and scanners on full because another Galactic Netcast will be approaching your coordinates soon. For more information, go to galacticnetcasts.com. <laughs>